He's the song and dance man with a signature bowler hat who decided it was time to leave the stage and record a hit record. Who is he? Find out next on One Dollar Vinyl. Welcome to One Dollar Vinyl. This is the podcast in which we buy the cheapest secondhand records we can find and we give them a fair and honest review. My name is Tess and sitting next to me for the very last episode of season one is Kat. Hello. How are you going? Yeah, pretty good. How are you? Pretty good. We are wrapping up season one. What a journey. It has been. It has been a journey. (laughs) (laughs) I've learnt a lot about uh, musicians that I have never heard of and can't believe that I know so much about now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like... There's only so much space in my brain and this truly isn't the most important thing to place in there. <laughs> well, what is one of the things that you've taken away from our journey so far? Like I said, I've learned so much. Um, I've learned about artists that I had sort of an idea about um, and perhaps now have a deeper appreciation of, like Kamal, you know, yeah, who, for sure. who was someone that was always – I assumed just the butt of a joke, but now I sort of appreciate him a little bit more. Yeah, like there's there's a reason why he's in lots of op shops and stuff. It's because people bought his records. People loved him. Yeah. yeah. And then there's uh, people I'd never heard of, like Renee and Renato. Um, <laughs> I learned from them that it's very hard to fake chemistry. Yeah, and it's right. even harder to fake being in a music video um, when, <laughs> when you've left the band. <laughs> What I've learned from a couple of the records that we've looked at was it seems like it was kind of easy to get a record deal, like, in the 70s and 80s. Like, all yeah. you needed was, in Renee and Rado's case, just a voice and a guy to write you a song. And, like, in the case of Tony Barber, just yeah. charisma. That's all he had. Yeah. Oh, and, like, years of goodwill built up from yeah. <laughs> being on TV in uh-huh. front of people's faces. <laughs> Um, yeah, like I think, like you said, easy to make, hard to make it. Yeah, totally. You know? Yeah, yeah, hard to make a good record yeah, potentially. Yeah, yeah, and and hard to to make that impact and have a lasting legacy. Mm. I think we've come across quite a few one hit wonders, like Joey Scarberry, um, or or people who had a, a bit of a moment, mm. but then perhaps faded away, or even people that were absolutely massive, like Mrs. Mills. Yeah, that's right. Um, and just prolific and everywhere. But now no one really remembers her at all. Yeah, that's she, a good point. She just didn't sort of fit into that narrative of the popular music at the time. Yeah. When people talk about music in the 60s in Britain. Yeah, but she was everywhere yeah. at the time. Yeah. And I guess like the other side of that coin is, you know, someone who did create some like incredible music and probably should be really well remembered like Millie Jackson. Yeah. Um, because, you know, she made so much yeah. music and was so, so much talented. talent and mm. and brought a lot to the table yeah but for one reason or another has just yeah. sort of fallen away in our in our imagination yeah. it's probably a bit of luck mm. a bit of you know hard work and also having uh taste and a bit of imagination mm-hmm. you know about productions and about the songwriting and and also just being that the whole package you know i think there's certain oh, yeah. people who maybe d- you know, had so much talent but didn't look the part or sure. looked the part, but their records, you know, their songs are ultimately a bit boring or. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why. I wonder what some of the people that we have, uh, like, reviewed, how they would have gone in today's, you know, music 
landscape with lots of people coming to prominence through places like YouTube and like streaming services like Spotify. Yeah. Who do you think would have made it big? Uh, uh, In today's landscape, someone like Wendy Carlos for sure. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, even though she made it, she did make it big and she's probably one of the most um, famous people that we've talked about in in this. But I think um, to be so innovative and then technically proficient. Mm. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, there would be a lot of curiosity behind that. Can you imagine someone in 2020 just like, essentially making a new instrument inventing an instrument (laughs) and just like and changing the whole landscape of what music sounds like Mm. wild stuff pretty remarkable record that one yeah switched on bark you Mm -hmm. can go back and listen to that episode but i think ultimately you know there's we just um have learned that there's a lot of interesting stuff out there that's true and as much as i was making a joke earlier i have learned something about myself which is the more that I kind of delve into the history of a person or a record, the more I enjoy the music. So yeah. an example being um, a Steel I Span. Yeah. Like the first time I heard it, knowing nothing about it, I could very easily leave it. It's very easy to dismiss stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. But after learning about like their legacy and what they've done and, and giving it a – a proper listen and and trying to to find more yeah. than just and like finding a out the listen. context of, of yeah. like where the, you know in time and place that they existed. Yeah, yeah, I appreciated it much more. Yeah, well, yeah, I hope that that's been a lesson to everyone to approach things with an open mind, hmm. give it a fair listen, and um, you know, get into your local charity shop, op shop, thrift store, support your circular economy. Mm-hmm. Get your own $1 vinyls in your collection. And tell us, tell us. We will be taking a bit of a break, but we are going to come back for season two. So please be in touch on the social media in the meantime. Well, should we move on to our record for this week? I think we should. What have you got for us, Kat? I have found this record called Paul Nicholas by Paul Nicholas. It was a record from 1977. Where did you get this one from? Uh, I got it from the Vinnies in Frankston down in Victoria. Very good. How much did it cost? A dollar. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And uh, what uh, do you think it's worth? Well, the history of it being sold on Discogs said it was sold for $4. People have it on the marketplace for about 10 but no one's bought it. So I'm going to say- <laughs> Optimistic. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to say less than $5. Okay, fair enough. Can we listen to it online if we want to? No, not as an album. There are a couple of uh, like the singles, like live (laughs) versions that I found. Boy, are there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. We'll get into those. Yeah. (laughs) All right, let's have a look at the cover of this album. Yeah, this is why I've picked it up. It is ridiculous. (laughs) He is a wacky looking guy. So he's wearing a bowl hat. Mm-hmm. He's holding a like a cane. A cane. Yep. Yeah. And he's wearing this white jacket, which looks like the cro- like a cross between like a karate gi, like a judo, yeah, yeah, and a dressing gown and like a Luke Skywalker outfit. Do you remember that time I came to um, a fancy dress party at your house dressed as judo's priest? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> a dog collar and a karate outfit on. <laughs> Anyways. It was great. <laughs> that was a great part. But, yeah, he's doing, like, a, a dance move. He's got. He's doing a high kick. High kick? Well, a three-quarter kick. He's wearing Cuban heels as well. Yeah. And his pants are black, which, you know, contrast with the white jacket. Yes. But they're also, like, they're shiny somehow. Yes. And Mm. this look, as I've discovered, is his signature look. That is perplexing. The bowler hat. Yeah. um, He's usually not in a weird karate shirt. He's usually usually wearing a blazer, but, like, without a shirt underneath. An open blazer and a bare chest. Okay. And he's wearing this in every performance I've seen him do. It's his thing. And he's also got like kind of a long, wavy kind of luxurious hair that's sort of touching his shoulders. And and his expression is potentially, his facial expression is just pure joy. He's just smiling so, you know, largely. Yes, he's having... A gay old time. He certainly is. So, um, and then when we turn it over. Oh, my gosh. The back cover is one of the favorite, my favorite things I've ever seen ever. How many, how many do you know how many Paul Nicholas's there are? Uh, well, the same as songs. I think there's like so eight. So, there's 12. 12. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, they're all over the place. It's, yeah, like so- a, it's like an ant colony infestation of Paul Nicholas's in the same um, outfit. Oh, my gosh. So, same outfit. He's just like taken clearly- in the process of, you know, getting the photo for this album cover, he's <laughs> had a photo shoot and he and the photographer's like, All right, Paul, like give me give me all your poses. And Paul's just like, pow, 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 different pose. How about this one? How about this one? Leg up, leg down, arm up, arm down. And every single pose, in his opinion. Hat on, hat off. Yeah, cane right. up, cane down. Uh-huh. <laughs> every single pose was a winner, winner. He didn't want to choose just one for the front cover. Yeah. And so he's put the rest of them on the back cover. And he's got the same mad smile on in every <laughs> photo. Like, it is bordering on deranged. <laughs> so, obviously, this is why I've picked it up, because it is just madness. He looks like he's having fun. Yes. And, oh, there's no gatefold. It's no. just a slightly broken record. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing else. That's what we love about these well-loved records. Well, um, look, I can't wait to hear what a guy like this sounds like. Uh, should we take a little break? And when we get back, we will jump into Paul Nicholas' self-titled album. All right. Let's go. <laughs> I'm a doofus. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? Spot shouted. It's only the postman, called Sally. See what he's got for us. It's for me, Mum, said Spot. Uh, Can I open it? Open it carefully, then, called Sally. Mum, it's a big blue bouncy ball, shouted Spot. Can I go out and play with it? Post this letter for me, said Sally. Then you can play with your ball. Welcome back to One Dollar Vinyl. You just heard Paul Nicholas's voice narrating the 1988 version of the Spot cartoons. I had no idea. (laughs) You are such a better researcher than me. Why isn't this on his Wikipedia page? Yeah, yeah. I would say it's the crowning star. It's starring crowning star of his um, 
Is that the expression? I don't think so, but I like it regardless <laughs> of his career. Um, Which is a huge call because let's be honest, Paul Nicholas has done a whole ton of stuff in the entertainment sure industry. Sure has. He yeah. has been working consistently. For Since a very he was like long seventeen. Time. Yeah. And yeah. he's still working yeah. for what it's worth. He's in yeah. his seventies now, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about what he's done? Yeah. So he um Got into music. He he emerged as Paul Dean and the Dreamers um, at just 17. Uh, but then after that, he joined Screaming Lord Such's band. Yes. Um, which I had not heard before. But Tess, had you? Uh, I hadn't, but I was doing a little bit of research next to my dear mum last night uh-huh. and she had heard of Screaming Lord Such. Um, apparently, it was a bit of a kind of like on the – novelty side of rock and roll yeah very like kind of weird and surreal and theatrical um apparently he also went on to run in politics for the raving loony party um screaming lord such such. and he kept that name (laughs) but um yeah paul nicholas played piano for him and i've got a quote here from paul nicholas about his time in that band Mm. and he goes I remember wearing funny dresses and false boobs as he sang Jack the Ripper and then proceeded to murder me. (laughs) I quickly realised I enjoyed the theatricality of it much more than the singing. Yes. And so, you know, as following on from that, um, he achieved a lot of success in musical theatre. Yes, Uh, he did. So he was was the leading role in the first production of Hair. Mm -hmm. He was in Jesus Christ Superstar. Uh, Title role. Title role, yeah, mm. pretty much in all of these title mm. role. Um, he was the first British uh, actor t- to play uh, Danny in Greece. Yes, on the, in the stage show, he was in Much Ado at uh, Much Ado About Nothing, which is famously not a musical, but still. <laughs> um, he was in Cats. He actually created the role of Rum Tongue Tugger. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah with Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah. yeah. Um, he was in Jekyll and Hyde, Fiddler on the Roof, Pirates of Penzance. He's just done like yeah. all those, all the big ones. Sounds like he was the guy in musical theatre sure in the UK was. Yeah. on West End for a long time. Yeah, and he's won a few awards for his um, services to show business and charity. Uh, one thing also that I found actually before he got into musical theatre uh, was he released a single, not as Paul Nicholas but as another stage name, Paul uh, Oscar. It was. Yeah. Is that like a, like, like, sure, like a single? Yeah, single name. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's his middle name. Yeah. Sorry, go on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Poorly chosen. Paul Nicholas is probably better, which is why he, he's stuck with that. But it's not that good. I mean, I don't yeah. understand how he went through three stage names and landed on Paul Nicholas. It's like, it's such a nothing name. Yeah, I literally true. forgot it every time I went to type it. <laughs> I'm like, Nichol- Nicholson? Yeah. Nick- <laughs> yeah. I, I Nicholas probably- Paul, what's his name? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Nick Paulson. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, when he was in the iteration of just Oscar... He released a single that was written and produced by David Bowie. Yes, he did. David Bowie keeps on cropping up. He's, <laughs> you know, in and around everything. Paul Nicholas, I nearly said Nicholson. Paul <laughs> Nicholas was also in the film Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Yeah, he was. And he was in um, Tommy, the Who uh, oh, right. rock opera. So also a rock opera. Yeah, yeah, the movie of that. Yeah. Um, he's been in a bunch of stuff. Yeah, he's mm. also had a, a very prolific um, television, like straight 
roles, mm-hmm. television, yeah. um, and and film career. Mm. Um, he's done heaps of stuff, and yeah, in that in that Sergeant Pepper's thing, I I hadn't seen the whole film. It. Um, <laughs> I just watched the YouTube compilation yeah. of him singing. Right. On, on, oh, okay. In yeah. The film. yeah. Yeah. I sort of skipped. It, the whole thing is actually available on YouTube if, uh-huh. if you want to watch it. It's, it seems like a very weird. Um, it's like a juke, jukebox musical. Yeah. And it's got um, like Aerosmith, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Steve Martin, like just a whole bunch so many of people. random 70s bands and celebrities. But like in driven it. by the Bee Gees. Yeah, that's right. The mm. Bee Gees play. The Sergeant Pepper's band. I don't know what the plot is, but I oh, mean, who cares? Can I suggest? <laughs> don't even bother because yeah. I, I read a little synopsis and <laughs> and it has a score of twelve percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, yeah. sounds yeah, not worth my while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but he is in it as the yeah Dougie Shears. Yeah, um, the manager, and he's he's in his signature look. He's got his bowler hat. And he's in the movie. open blazer and stuff on. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's That's obviously so something that he it's such it's such a confusing signature look. I don't mm. understand it. Mm. I don't understand if he's supposed to look doofy or cool. And look, you're touching on something that I'm gonna say a couple of times when we start listening to the music. Like, I don't know how much of him being weird and dumb is intentional. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite a review. <laughs> uh, we can probably leave it there. <laughs> okay. Well, let's let's move on. Let's have a little listen to the music, shall yeah. we? Yeah. Um, so this is his first studio album. Uh, he released four in total, although I do feel like that's quite generous because after this he re- kind of almost re-released this same record but with four extra songs. Um, and then he released a cover album and then he released a compilation album. So... Yeah, so that's kind of like one and a half, really. (laughs) 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 Uh, But let's listen to the first song on the record. Okay. It is called Sunday. When you wake up in the morning In the suit that you were born in Feeling like love Oh, my God, like that just slays me. The, like, tick-tock of the clock followed by the alarm. He's not afraid of a sound effect, is he? (laughs) That's... All the way throughout this record. Oh, my God. They're everywhere. And I'd, hopefully people caught that first lyric, when you wake up in the morning in the suit that you were born in, <laughs> feeling, feeling like, like love. love. Yeah. So this song is just about staying in bed with your beau yeah. for the entire day on a Sunday. Yeah. Yep. With your lady or your fella. Yep. Um, which is a sentiment I can get behind. Sure. Um, but I do find the the tone of the music uh, a little bit diametrically opposed to the message of the lyrics. Oh That's right. Yeah. If you're going to have a song about staying in bed, have it be like a, you know, laid back kind of like calm, well, it made me soothing. think of um, Jack Johnson's Banana Pancakes, which is the same thing. It's like let's sleep in, let's stay in bed all day, it's raining outside. Uh And that's like a gentle acoustic guitar. Like it makes you want to snuggle back under Uh the doona. (laughs) I can just imagine like their doona is just like flailing because they're like kicking in bed and like doing all like the dance moves but while in bed still. The lyrics are saying, relax, sleep in. And the music's saying, get up and meringue. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we got some some, like what Calypso kind of influences here. And just listen to these like... 
like hollering sounds. It's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> relax, sleep in. <laughs> 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 and if you listen closely to the lyrics, like, I don't know about the point of view of this protagonist. So he's essentially said that, um, uh, so in the chorus he says, it's good in more than one way, it's cozy and it's free. Later on in one of the verses he says, the only thing that's worth, worse than getting up for work is being unemployed. I think this guy is a cheap unemployed loser who's trying to like trick <laughs> his, this his is significant the best date we could have <laughs> yeah, so not doing no, anything no no baby let's stay in bed come on we don't need to go to that movie you don't want brunch <laughs> <laughs> do you know how much avocados cost <laughs> yeah you could be under something <laughs> there's some um like deliciously doofy sounding um synths in here (laughs) you're gonna hear throughout the record yeah there's a lot of like uh, yeah stuff that's just kind of fun and light and and goofy Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. bubblegummy um and and then the you know the disco tone Mm -hmm. and rhythm is kind of pretty much consistent through through the album isn't it Oh, more or less. More or less. Yeah. There's a yeah. couple of deviations. Yeah, that's but right. Yeah, but that is the, um, the general thing. When you see Paul Nicholas doing Dancing Up a Storm on the back cover in various <laughs> poses, I think that's oh, what we can sure. expect sonically. Yeah, but it's like him dancing in these photos is for sure to the music of this record. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he put on <laughs> his own his record. He's <laughs> like do, yeah, doing a photo shoot. Paul, should we put on something to help you relax and get you in the mood? He's like, yes, my own record. I'm going to do high yeah. kicks the whole time. How about, yeah, Paul, yeah, how yeah. about Paul Nicholas by Paul Nicholas? <laughs> uh, what else would you like to listen to? Uh, well, look, you've just asked what I would like to listen to, <laughs> and the answer is not the next song that I'm going to play because I I don't actually want to hear it again, but I think we must. I think we have to subject everyone yeah. else to it. Yeah, it's called Doing It. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Here we go. And it's, you know, it is what it sounds like. It's not subtle. It was a summer's night and the city was hot. I was talking with the boys at the back of the shop when I heard about a party just down the block where they were doing it. Okay, so I'm just going to, like, explain the premise of this song. Please do. Essentially, it's just your standard song about hearing about a random orgy, immediately going to that orgy, or, as Paul Nicholas says, sneaking (laughs) to the orgy, which is, oof, so unnerving. Um, You know, not knowing a single person there, but joining in anyway as a way to lose your virginity. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if, like, the phrase doing it maybe elicited more of a ambiguous double entendre kind of thing in the oh, 70s. Right. I mean, now and you it- say doing it, I mean, you know exactly what uh-huh. they mean, but perhaps, you know, perhaps this is, like, more of an open-ended, like, oh, they could be talking about dancing or drugs or you know but it, it really does sound like he's going to an orgy yeah right. yeah yeah so so maybe whenever he you know was singing it he's he's trying to say like what is it yeah that's right yeah yeah wink what could i be talking about <laughs> but it's 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 absolutely filthy oh yeah 
And in like the final verse, he talks about like the aftermath of it. And mm. so it's, oh, he's yeah. so trashed <laughs> that he is like found in the street and can't quite remember like where he was. He can't mm. quite remember the night except for the fact that he had fun and that he'd love to do it again. Yeah. And the chorus doesn't um, bring any more illumination to it at all, does it? It's, it's, he says... <laughs> I never done done it, but you know I done did it and I sure had fun just doing it. Okay, thanks, Paul. <laughs> like, what a wordsmith. Am I right? <laughs> Good lord. Okay, and once again, very light. Mm. Poppy, bubbly. Yeah, more hollering. Yeah, yeah. sound effects. Various yelling in the background. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of fun stuff on this album. There's Calypso kind of influence. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a lot of it made me think of someone like Peter Allen. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can appreciate yeah, that comparison. Yeah. Again, like another song and dance man. Uh-huh. Obviously, you know, just quietly one with a fair bit amount more talent than, <laughs> than I think Paul Nicholas <laughs> is giving us here. He didn't write. He, he has one songwriting credit on this album. That's true. Um, he didn't write these songs. Which- most of the songs were written by a songwriting team called Bugatti and Musker. They had some success with um, some hits for Sheena Easton. They wrote Modern Girl. They oh. wrote um, Every Woman in the World, which Air Supply had a hit with. Oh, yeah. And they actually went on to release some albums um, themselves as they went then by the name The Dukes. Okay. Um, and they played on an album with... People from Toto, Steve Lucas, oh, really? and Jeff Procaro, and huh. they were produced by Quincy Jones. So, huh? Yeah. Oh well, I don't know how much of their songwriting expertise, you know, is evident on this record. But Paul did have some hits with this record, didn't he? Yeah. Well, there's one one song in particular that I am so like perplexed as to how it reached number seventeen on the UK charts hmm. uh, because it is truly terrible. It's called Reggae Like It Used To Be. Oh, yeah. And, like... Let's have a really quick listen to it. play a tiny bit of it. It's just... (laughs) I'm gonna do some reggae. It is just... It's so on the nose. Like, it just... The referring, a recurring phrase that he uses is we're going to play some reggae like it used to be. Uh-huh. Which <laughs> is ironic. Definitely not reggae like it used uh-huh. to be. It is literally the worst reggae song I've ever heard. <laughs> and so, like, the only way that I think that this could be perceived as good is if it was written with the intent to be a novelty parody song. Yeah. I don't think it's that. And I really don't. I, think it's, I don't either. And I don't understand how... This reaches 17 in the UK. This is, just to give you some context, 1977 was also the year that Bob Marley and the Whalers released Exodus, the title song of which hit number one in the UK and Jamaica, obviously. But, you know, if, if anywhere reggae music at this time in 1977 is appreciated more than Jamaica, it's in the UK. I don't understand how, how how this charted at all. It's- There's a video of him on on um, some sort of like top of the pops kind of show. Yeah, and it is embarrassing. It is mm. him and four white people. Oh, um, so you've got like 
not only is it bad, but it's also cultural appropriation. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. 100% like his yeah. Elvis Presleying this. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm. And um, these people are dressed in, uh, if you can think of a stereotypical like Calypso outfits. So Gross. like the guys are in like shirts that tie yeah. at the waist um, and kind of those like bell-bottom pants and the girls are wearing colourful um, like peasant skirts and, mm. you know, and they're doing terrible dancing. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. <laughs> um, and it is just, it's the whitest thing you've ever seen in your life. And I just, yeah, I just don't get it. I don't understand how in the same year as Bob Marley's it boggles the mind. Getting number one. Yeah. This is what were they thinking, the people of 1977? There's oh, a, a pretty sure. um, excellent YouTube comment underneath this video that oh, made yeah? me like actually laugh out loud okay this uh joseph preston comments in light of his later career it's easy to forget how authentic paul nicholas used to be this song was recorded just after nicholas and the original whaler junior braithwaite made their now infamous pilgrimage to ethiopia just prior to nicholas's official conversion to rastafarianism <laughs> nicholas co-wrote the track with the song's producer, reggae legend, former whaler and solo star, Mr. Bunny Whaler. In the 70s, Nicholas was, of course, famous for his friendship with the great Bob Marley. And it is, of course, and of course, Peter Tosh. Of course. Who paid Paul's legal fees at the height of his heroin addiction. <laughs> and he shot dead two people in Kingston following an argument over an allegedly unpaid drug debt. And Island record boss uh, Chris Blackwell famu- famously said, Paul Nicholas didn't just sing reggae, he lived reggae. <laughs> okay, no, hang on. What? No, none of this makes sense. No, no, it's not true. It's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very good joke. Oh, Joseph Preston. Joseph Preston, that credit is... where credit's due. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. But, he, yeah, look, moving on, Paul Nicholas did have some other- um, Yeah, chart success. Chart success. Yep, he had um, Dancing with the Captain, which reached number eight in the UK and five in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, he had Heaven on the Seventh Floor, uh, which reached number one in New Zealand. Yeah. As well as six in the US. Yeah. 40 in the UK and 49 in Canada. Both uh, goofy as shit songs yeah. um, that are, once again, chock-a-block full of sound effects and, yep. you know, just like sort of weird um, goofy synth sounds and oh, yeah. and instrumentation. And but fun, a lot of fun. I guess you fun, know? yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's one other song that I'll just mention, kind of in light of the reggae like it used to be, which is called Black Daddy, <laughs> and it's just oh, yeah. Yeah. so inappropriate. Yeah. It's about, like, him looking at a, what I assume, is him looking at a black guy dancing and going, like, those are some dynamite dance moves. I wish I could have dance moves like that. Yeah, he just keeps singing, hey, Black Daddy, you know, I'm impressed with you. And, mm-hmm. and the, I think the yeah, funny thing makes is- Makes me feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> and about three quarters of the way through the song, there's like some female voice that comes in and just like describes the moves oh, of yeah, Black yeah. Daddy. Yeah, oh, and this is how like, you do the Black Daddy. Uh-huh. And it's just like, take three steps forward, take four steps back, take two steps forward, take one step back. <laughs> what moves? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I could do that. I'm famously a terrible Although, dancer. Although, when I saw those um, dancers dancing around on reggae like it used to be, maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. maybe they could have taken a few pointers. <laughs> the, the bar for Paul Nicholas is not very high. But the last song that I wanted to actually listen to is another charting hit, reached number nine in the UK, and it is called Grandma's Party. Of course it did. Let's yeah. have a listen. Yeah. <laughs> 
also he I like how he references his signature bowler hat. Yeah. And his cane. <laughs> he's really trying to make it a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Do you reckon someone told him like you need to have a gimmick, you know, you need a, a, a hook? I think it's all coming from Nicholas. I think it's all coming from his mind. Uh, so grandma's party. Yeah, whenever I read that this was like the name of the song, I was like, surely not. That's not just what it is about. And uh, it is. It's just about going to, you know, his grandma's party or someone's grandma's party. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't really understand this song at all. Well, I feel like it is just literally going to grandma's party. But am I unhip? Am I missing out on some sort of, like, code, like some street lingo here? (laughs) Like grandma is, like, actually a nickname for heroin or something? Yeah, exactly. Because, like... I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's just uh, stupid. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) There's a video of him, uh, again, on Top of the Pops, um, dancing with a whole bunch of dancers behind him dressed as grandmas. Of course there are. Well, it brings me back to... If this was a novelty song, if someone like Flight of the Concords like yeah, did this, yeah. then like there'd be a wink to the audience and it would be like a shared humor. But again, it, I think this is trying to be legit. It's not clever enough. Correct. Yeah, yeah it's not, yeah, it's I, like, I, yeah, I did it's reference straddling the, Concords, the line between so a serious pop song. And, you know, it's not a comedy. It's not a comedy song no. because there's no jokes. Yeah. And it's not even quite a novelty song, which was a genre in itself yeah. from the sort of 50s through the 70s, you know, with songs like, I don't know, The Monster Mash or Alvin and the Chipmunks, you know, Witch Doctor or, you know, yes. stuff like that. It was yeah. clearly novelty, but they had sort of legs because it was good music. Which are all the good novelty songs. Yeah, do. yeah. yeah. But this is, it's just like nonsense it, and not trying, necessarily in a good way. Yeah. Like it's trying to be fun, but yeah. it ends up being completely just crazy and stupid. You know what it is? It's the person who tells you how crazy and wacky they are. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> Oh, don't mind like, me. Oh, yeah. I'm just like wacky. I'm just crazy I'm like zany. that. I'm Sometimes I just go to a grandma party. Oh, my God, I no just tell it how it me. is. <laughs> no, I think that really the dumbest part of this is that it was so successful. Right? <laughs> well, look, let's take a break. And when we get back, we can sum up our conclusions on what we thought about this record. All alone, cousin, let's think of a game to play. Now the grown-ups have all gone away. You won't be much fun being blind, deaf and dumb, but I've no one to play with today. Do you know how to play hide and seek? To find me it would take you a week. But tied to that chair, you won't go anywhere. There's a lot I can do to a freak. Welcome back to One Dollar Vinyl. You just heard a clip from The Who's rock opera musical, Tommy, in which Paul Nicholas plays Cousin Kevin, the sadistic Cousin Kevin, who is just very joyfully torturing Roger Daltrey. 
Yeah, that's it was extremely unnerving for me to watch. I don't I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does a great job at it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's true. Like I've never seen that movie before, yeah. but uh it, from that glimpse, uh it seems like he did quite a good job, our Paul. Yes. Yeah. Paul Nick. Look, he's a talented guy. I think yeah, he's definitely true. a talented guy. And like we said before, he's tried his hand or, you know, it sort of excelled his hand at many different um aspects of the screen and stage. Yeah, and, and, you know, found success. He is a very good entertainer. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Mm. What do you reckon about the record, though? Uh, I think it is a hot mess. <laughs> I I think if you listen carefully to the lyrics and if the lyrics are to be believed, the guy, Paul Nicholas, or the guy that he's portraying, is just a straight-up pervert. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he's like portraying a character, especially because he didn't write any of the songs. Yeah. I but, find, like I said, I find it so confusing. I don't know. You know, there is a lot of like sexy sex in this uh-huh. record, but he's such a goofy guy. And uh-huh. I don't know if he's supposed to be sexy or <laughs> if he's imagine- supposed to be just a guy like not taking himself seriously. <laughs> Can you imagine having sex with this guy and he's got this, like, huge shitting grin on his face, just, like, always just, like, waggling his eyebrows, like, flailing his (laughs) arms around with his cane and his bowler hat? I just, yeah, this is a guy that's in one song seducing someone in an elevator uh, and in another song going to a grandma party. It's very Uh, weird. And that's the thing. I was being constantly surprised and surprised is probably a nice way to put it. Confused, probably more (laughs) aptly. Uh, throughout this record, there were, like, the abrupt beginnings to almost every song. There's, like, random background singers and instrumentals, like, weird use of synths, as you've already Mm. said. Like, not to mention these bizarre, like, the themes and the lyrics, which don't match with his persona and the music itself. Yeah. But you know what? Like, it's not terrible. Well, yeah. It is. No, I think it might be. Fun. <laughs> uh, to me, you know what it's like? It's what? like going out for a night with a crowd you usually don't hang out with and you're going to a venue that you'd never like previously considered uh-huh. going to and despite all your kind of misgivings at the start of the night, you end up having a really good night and at the end of the night when you've got a few drinks in you, you're sort of like, oh, my God, why don't we do this all the time? We should do this more often. Please, let's get together next month and let's do it again. And then the next month rolls around you're kind of like, oh, I might be a bit busy. Yeah. <laughs> and you never see those people or go to that place ever again. <laughs> and I think at the end of the day, Paul Nicholas is a performer. He is an entertainer and in listening to this record, by gum, I was entertained. Yeah. Like I was laughing out loud. Yeah, exactly. At him, not with him, but, you know, I'll take that laughter. It was good fun, but it was really hard to sort of put your finger on like where the freeze coming from. There's a quote that I found in an interview that he did. Um, with a blogger, uh, okay. some guy who writes a blog uh, called, you can look it up, it's heroculture.wordpress.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, to be honest with you, the only thing I'm interested in terms of what I enjoy for me, the thing is, can I do it? Can I do it okay? And does anyone like it? So I don't care if it's being in Tommy or if it's doing a teeny bopper hit singles that people like. It doesn't matter to me. The problem is... For me as a performer, if people aren't quite sure what you are, then they don't take you seriously because they can't quite work it out or because they think he's not serious in that. 
which is true because I'm not really serious about anything. Hmm. So, you know. Yeah, that like, like, does Kind of like we said, yeah he's, yeah. he's doing what he's doing well, but maybe if he'd sort of angled himself in a niche a little bit better, more on the novelty side or more yeah. on the serious pop say, side yeah, if or he'd something. Leaned, if he'd leaned into the novelty factor instead of trying to play it straight with terrible stuff. <laughs> yeah, that could have been better. Yeah. But, you know, like you said, it was kind of fun. It was consistently mm. fun the whole way through. Yeah. But um, maybe not smart enough. That's that's my oh, thing. Like zero it intelligence. Also, like, you know, it reminded me of, and maybe just because I've just seen him in some music news recently, is yeah. Micah. Do you remember Micah oh, from it, the early 2000s? He was that, performing at the Enmore. Yeah. Like yeah, the other day. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's performing now. Yeah. Touring now. Yeah. Now Someone that you've said who's it. sort of deliberately cheesy and fun mm-hmm. and entertaining and a bit silly mm-hmm. but not a novelty act mm. but just not taking himself very seriously yeah i can i can see that comparison yeah yeah that's a good one or even like some of queen's kind of zanier stuff but with none of the brains behind it that they had you yeah know? uh if only you had a brain <laughs> 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 then we would enjoy your stuff, Paul Nicholas. Uh, so do you think you're going to hang on to this record? No, I don't think so. No. I think that I got all of the enjoyment that I could get out of it by listening it to, to it the first time. Yeah. Yeah, because I certainly did enjoy aspects of it. I was, like, laughing on the, you know, laughing out loud at points. Yeah. This is like a record you'd borrow from a friend. Oh, yeah. And then happily hand back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So... Like I would, I would say that if anyone out there listening would like to just give this a listen and and laugh at it, uh, let me know. I'll send it to you. <laughs> All right, that's a good deal. Mm. What would you pay for it? A dollar. Yeah, yeah, a dollar is fair. I think. Mm. Well, thanks everyone so much for listening to the very last episode of season one. We really hope you enjoyed Paul Nicholas's self-titled album, and we'd like to know what you think of it. Um, please hit us up on email, on social pages, on Facebook, Instagram. Um, We will be on our social pages during the break and you can still give us a rating on iTunes or a review. That would be very nice, please, and thank you. So we will be taking a short break. I am going to take a little bit of time off to have a little bit of maternity leave. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening and thank you for the support that uh, you've given us both in person and on our socials. We genuinely do appreciate it and I personally am a little bit surprised that anyone has listened to this. So thank you so much. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun to put it together and and as someone who has a lot of um, creative projects that (laughs) end up going nowhere, it's been good to to get this out into the world. It's been good to, yeah, get a lot of positive feedback for it. We really appreciate it, guys. Thanks, everyone. We will be back as soon as we can for season two, and we've got some really good records lined up for that, so look forward to that. And remember, as Paul Nicholas so eloquently puts it, I never done done it, but you know I done did it, and I sure had fun just doing it. What a sentiment. Wow. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. See you next time.